am Chris Chows, and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the fantasy headliners. Welcome back to the show. I am joined once again by my man, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's up, buddy? What is up is, uh, well, now your internet connection apparently is up because it wasn't earlier. Apparently, man. We're, we're just making fun of each other because it's like, you know, you're in the digital age in the new uh, future age when you start like uh, your internet goes down and someone says it's your internet and you're getting offended. And no, it's not. It's yours. No, it's not. We literally went back and forth for like two minutes saying, <laughs> dude, your internet's down. No, yours is. Nope, it's nope, yours. no, no, it's yours. And guess what? It wasn't mine. Yeah, it was mine. It was mine today. That was mine. <laughs> unbelievable where we are man but i mean hey we got a lot of football to talk about as per usual i mean this was i guess we could probably say it was armageddon when it comes to injuries this week because i mean i think everybody and their dog went down this week it was ridiculous because i mean and it started the worst thing it wasn't even sunday it started thursday night with russell wilson Mm -hmm. having a pretty gruesome finger injury which is going to keep him sidelined i think what like four to six weeks six to eight apparently yeah so i mean let's go geno smith it's geno time i mean we can start (laughs) off with injuries it's fine with me man i mean geno time what are we thinking i mean he looked okay He, he was fine he looked okay. I loved how much he was targeting DK Metcalf, which mm. for Metcalf owners, if Gino's the guy going forward, then that's, you know, don't worry about Metcalf. He's going to be just fine there. Um, but yeah, he, he looked okay. He's not someone that's going to win you a game. You know, he never was that guy. He just has to be the guy that won't lose you a game and won't be a liability. Yeah, until he lost them the game last week and he threw that interception. But I mean, overall, you know, it was impressive. He was cold. He was coming off the bench. He hasn't played in God knows how long. And okay, fine. You're getting some tutelage from one of the best in the business and Russell Wilson the last few years. But he looked good. He looked like he was commanding the, you know, the offense, the huddle and then, you know, making checks at the line. I I found that to be very impressive for a guy who hasn't played football in a number of years. No, I, I completely agree. And he gives you a little bit of a rushing upside as well. He's someone that doesn't mind it. You know, if he doesn't, his read isn't there, he's going to tuck it. He's going to run with it because he still has a little bit of mobility left in him. So, so I think he's fine, you know, serviceable, you know, for a quarterback because they do have plenty of weapons around them. The biggest thing though, is, I mean, where this team right now is two and three, mm. I mean, after the next six to eight weeks, I, I mean, they, they might be auditioning quarterbacks because their defense is still pretty horrendous right now. And Geno Smith doesn't have enough offensive firepower to keep up with all these other teams that are going to be putting up 20, 25 points a game. Especially in his own division, playing the Cardinals and the Rams and the 49ers. I mean, it's going to be tough sledding, man. I mean, you got to think that Russ might even start requesting that trade again. I mean, excuse me, blow up Seattle. And I mean, we, we talked about Sierra before. She wants to go to New York, man. She wants to start her career back up again. And maybe this is the opportunity. Maybe, but I mean, hey, you know, Zach Wilson's the number two overall pick with the Jets. Danny Pennies is looking more like Danny Nichols right now. We're not going to give him that dimes number, but he look, he's looking like Danny Nichols right now. Nichols, yeah. And he's been playing pretty, pretty darn well so far. So, I mean, obviously, would you want Russell Wilson instead of either of those guys right now? Right now? Yes. But, you know, Sierra, you may have to. You may have to settle for something other than New York right now. Yeah, just bad weather on the West, man. That's just how it goes. But you know what, man? We'll jump back because guess what day it is? Today's today's Taco Tuesday. It is, but guess what? Guess what other day I'm going for right now? Today's October twelfth. Victory Tuesday. Woo! My Buffalo Bills, baby. Come on, you knew we had to start the show off with this because guess what? 
it's not often that my Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL. And I think we can we can basically prop them at that level right now. I mean, a lot of people will say you're crazy. There's better teams out there like the Buccaneers. I get it. But guess what? I mean, as the as we sit today, my Buffalo Bills, they're flying high offensively, defensively. They look absolutely spectacular. I think it's as a number one scoring offense, number one scoring defense right now in the entire league. Yeah, you guys have the highest plus minus of anyone in the league at like 108 at the moment. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, what they're doing right now is absolutely crazy. And, you know, we'll start it off. I mean, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And I'm Chris Berman, man. I love you for that one. But guess what, man? You know what? I came up with a little bit of a new saying, and it's because of my guy Dawson Knox. He goes off, man. Three for 117 and another touchdown. And and I'm going to credit LL Cool J for this one because mama said knocks you out, baby, because he was just on fire. He was. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I did not stay up for the second half of this oh. game because I couldn't. I didn't know how long this weather delay was going to last with the lightning and everything that was going on. And old man Kennedy got a little tired, fell asleep. So didn't watch the second half, had to go back and rewatch it the next day. But <laughs> But I will I will say this. Um, what we've seen from I mean that that little hurdle from Josh Allen that was oh, that was pretty sexy. I, I enjoyed that. But going through and watching this team, um, I remember last season. You know, seeing a couple of no sorry last season it was two seasons ago. I think it was Dawson Knox's rookie season two years mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. and seeing a little bit you know flashes here and there, and then finally seeing it start to really come together this season for him has been awesome because now Josh Allen doesn't have to worry about just targeting, you know, Stefan Diggs. He's getting help from Manny Sanders. He's getting a little bit here and there from Beasley, not as much as he did last year, but now you have that big body guy over the middle and Dawson Knox. I mean, Dawson Knox right now over the last two weeks has been the tight end two mm. right underneath Mark Andrews. And that's only because Mark Andrews had an insane game, you know, last night, but Boston Knox has been one of the biggest, if not the biggest surprise so far in fantasy football. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's tough to argue. I mean, no, I had him on the low-end radar, hoping that eventually they were going to utilize Knox. But the way this Bills offense is moving, I mean, you can see no no focal point right now. It is equally spread around. Even uh, Zach Moss gets a lot of work in the pass game. Beasley kind of taking a backseat. Like we said, Gabe Davis is basically non-existent right now because of Manny Sanders. But I mean, this team overall, defensively, what they were able to accomplish, it, it was basically taking out the well the blueprint was set up by by tampa bay in that super bowl and i mean we discussed that when the super bowl was over when we did this show and i said yeah, that is the blueprint Th- that is what teams are going to utilize now the bills did not blitz once in that contest they rushed for the entire game and they played coverage it was game over from before it even started yes he had mistakes tyreek you know he had some drops and and he wasn't uh, in and I mean Kelsey wasn't his normal self but that was my worry could they cover uh, Travis Kelsey and I mean now you see why the Buffalo Bills went hard to uh, improve their defensive line so that they can rush for they can use the Tampa Bay blueprint and I mean it worked to perfection and like we said has Tampa or has Kansas City been somewhat figured out it kind of seems that way I mean I I think so and it's, we've talked about that before where they really have been, you know, making sure that they were, you know, getting to the quarterback because that was the biggest issue they had last season was not being able to generate enough pressure. And right now they're doing that much, much better than they were, you know, at least towards the end of last season than what we didn't see. 
Yeah, absolutely. And guys like Gregory Russo, rookie, man, I mean, he's just balling. He tipped that pass to himself and intercept. Like, come on, man. He was a former wide receiver at like six foot seven. Like, this guy's unreal right now. You coming coming out of the U, they just know how to produce football players. They just do, man. So can we say the Buffalo Bills at this moment are the best team in the AFC? Oh, hands down. I mean, offense, defense, like they're and there's no number that won't back that up. Agreed. I, I think that you know what the the Chargers are making a strong case because they look damn good too. But I'm I'm rolling with my Bills. It's it's nice to be a Bills fan right now. I'm telling you, man. I'm still smiling, and I can. It's a it's a perma smile. Like I got a hanger in my mouth. You know you know what the problem though is is everybody else is starting to jump on this this Bills bandwagon and that doesn't bode well for you guys because when everyone gets behind the Bills that's when things start to go it's south. True. It's true, man. Stay away. <laughs> stay away. If you weren't on back in the '90s after they collapsed after all those Super Bowls, get off because we don't want you. Just kidding. Just, just keep hating on the Bills. Just keep hate on them on the so bills. we can win. Yes, because I mean it doesn't bode well. But speaking of Monday Night Football, we had a contest last night that was a gem once again. I don't know what it is with these Ravens playing in primetime, the Mondays, the Sundays. Like it just they put on a show. They got out the gates like. Really slow. Uh, Carson Wentz and company with Jonathan Taylor. They were just lights out in that first half. And then the tides turned. I don't know what Frank Reich didn't do because he clearly didn't adjust and he didn't. He kind of went away from his run game, which was actually so good and utilizing the running backs in the pass game. But Lamar had himself a day setting NFL records with over 85% completion, 400 passing yards. Like Lamar was just unbelievable last night in that second half. Not only Lamar, but look at Carson Wentz also throwing for over 400 yards. Yeah, right. I mean, the 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 first the first series of the game, screen pass to Jonathan Taylor, gone for 80 plus yards. Like mm -hmm. that was an exciting game to watch. Lamar is, I mean, it was good to see him finally like become more of a passer. Yeah, he had his 60 plus rushing yards. That that was great. But he won that game. His arm won them that game, not mm -hmm. his legs. Yes, indeed. And, and we've had this topic of conversation about Lamar many times. I mean, we were never haters of Lamar, but we wanted to see that pass game mature and, and, and show that progression. Last night, I can I can comfortably sit here and tell you that that was the best performance. And even the poop game when he was playing very well, you know, passing through the air. I think this this takes the cake. I mean, his his pocket awareness was fabulous. His field progressions were unreal. His arm, his accuracy, just absolutely top notch last night. And and if this is the Lamar that we're going to get as the standard moving forward because he's starting to find that maturation in his game, good Lord, watch out NFL because he this is Michael Vick with uh, all the throwing capabilities. Yeah, and the one thing with, with Lamar that was great to see so far in this early season is before this season, he had one career 300-yard passing game. He has back-to-back 300-plus -back passing yard games so far this year, so I'm excited to see what's, what's to come. Yeah, man. And I mean, okay, so let's talk about Hollywood because we gave him a hard time and he he dropped those passes in that Detroit game. And I mean, you know, everyone's saying, you know, what's wrong with Hollywood? And I can give you a firm answer. Not a damn thing because he just balled out last night in that second half as well. He goes nine for 125 and two touchdowns and looking like his cousin Antonio, but he's like, you know, uh, Antonio Slim because I mean, but he was just doing it. I mean, that speed was killer. His route, his route running, man, the double move he made was fantastic. The, the slant route was unbelievable. What negative could you say about uh, Hollywood last night? I mean, you can't. No, and I mean, and when you look at what he's done so far this season, yeah, week three, he had that off game where he dropped, you know, a couple of touchdown passes that very well could have, he could have gone for the distance. But week two, 
20 fantasy points. Week four, 17. Last night, 29. The guy's the overall wide receiver six right now in half PPR leagues. And the guy's been getting it done for someone that you were probably drafting in the mid, you know, I'd say the maybe the mid-teens for your fantasy drafts this year. Yeah. What was his wider? He was like wide receiver 50-something going in for ADP, if not lower. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you're looking at, you know, kind of what he was doing, because um, the one thing with with Baltimore receivers is that everyone always thinks, okay, well, I don't want to draft a Baltimore receiver unless it's somebody like Mark Andrews, because Lamar Jackson just can't really support that kind of a player. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood Brown went in the 11th round as the wide receiver 50. Yeah. Wide receiver 50 was his latest ADP at the end of August. Unbelievable. And I mean, this is without uh, Bateman. I mean, once Bateman gets back on the field, I yeah. think this, this is only going to help the cause because how are you going to guard this man? Right now he's seeing double teams. He's seeing the safety over the top. Man, this mm-hmm. Baltimore team is looking scary. And and Mark Andrews, like you said, I mean, he went 11 for 147 and two touchdowns last night. The, the breakout of the season comes for him. And I mean, this is the thing. Lamar was just hitting everybody at will and he nobody was stopping him. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, they literally could do whatever they wanted to. The one thing I will say with with Baltimore is right now their defense, mm. they're not they're not I don't nowhere near the on the level of the Bills, and that's where the Bills have that that advantage now. So if the Ravens can really tighten up that defense a little bit more and kind of be above average instead of middle of the pack right now. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be absolute contenders. And this is the funny thing: what defense right now in the AFC can match the Bills? That's a contender. Nobody really. I mean, the Browns maybe, but I mean, they they had a piss poor day this week. And I mean, but out of out of all these teams, I, I would say the Browns have the best defense compared to the Bills. The only other team I can think of right now is Denver. I think Denver has mm. the next best defense other than the Bills. Fair enough. And I mean, speaking of those Chargers and that Browns, that was a massive, what, a 47-42, just a no defense, all <laughs> shootout. I mean, Chris, I, I don't know how much of that game you caught, but I mean, it was unbelievable. Justin Herbert proven to be one of the, the best in the NFL right now, 398 and four touchdowns. Mike Williams, eight for 165, two touchdowns, just balling it. These two guys right now are is this offense basically? You add a sprinkle of Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, and and I mean you got a freaking show in in L.A. This is insane. I mean Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I mean this is just Justin Herbert. There is no sophomore slump. There's no you know hangover that he had from his rookie rookie season last year where he won Offensive Rookie of the Year, and just there's nothing bad I can say about the guy. Like he just plays phenomenal football for somebody so young and it's crazy have we ever seen a quarterback legitimately do this as a rookie and and just don't miss a beat like i don't, I can't i was trying to think of one and i really couldn't find one no i mean last year yeah he had you know some ups and downs but he played consistently for the most part throughout his entire rookie season and he just picked up where he left off after after last season which was so impressive i thought you know Maybe he would, you know, have a, a missed game here or there. And and the one off game he had, I think, was week one, but he still had a really good game. So mm-hmm. for me, I mean, Justin Herbert is easily one of the top young quarterbacks in the league. 
Absolutely. What a scary division, man. If you're Denver with Teddy Two Gloves and Derek Carr and those Raiders, I mean, yikes. But I mean, it's like it's like it's like the, the West, the NFC West, the AFC West. Take your pick. It's just a dangerous division to play in. That's it, man. It's it's getting scary. But I mean, head coach uh, Staley, he is turning out to be one of the my favorites right now. And it, I don't know if you saw all his Twitter clips where he's explaining his analytics. I love. Yes. Hey, and, and he- why? why running game is so important to the quarterback and oh, oh yeah. man, it's just unbelievable. But I'm, you know, it's funny as I'm watching this, I was talking with my buddy. He's like, he needs to stop talking because he's giving away all of his secrets. But I mean, when, when you talk about him, like on this show, when we're discussing this man, everything he's saying, the mixture of understanding the, the logic of the game while mixing your analytic numbers into the game it's it's a beautiful marriage where some guys just don't know how to apply the two. I think Staley's got like the the bookends on both sides of the football and how you can appropriately put them together. And and the, the product is showing on the field. He is a coach that is willing to adapt and not just be stuck in his ways, you know, mm-hmm. like being all in on analytics or, you know, all in on old school football. Like he's OK with marrying the two to help better his football team and to become a better head coach. And you're seeing it on the field right now. Yeah. And I think they're going to waive their punter because I don't think they've punted yet this year, man. He goes on every fourth down, man. It's, it's insane. I mean, so they had what? I think like two punts this past week. And of course, when you, when you put up 47 points, yeah, you're not going to be punting the ball quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. But he was, he was going, man. It was like, it was like third and four. I'm going fourth in the third and eight. I'm going it's fourth. I'm going. And he was converting and it's all the Mike Williams. Where the hell was this for Mike Williams? I'm actually pissed off right now that I have uh, no shares of Mike Williams because of what he did to me. How could you do this? You basically lied, man. The only people that stuck around for Mike Williams were their absolute truthers. Everyone else was out, including me. And I'm hurting. I'm, I'm trying to get shares, but the price is too high, man. All right. So with Mike Williams, the one thing with him is he always had the talent. You know, mm. he, he was like top five the last two years in air yards. And the biggest issue was just touchdowns. He wasn't scoring touchdowns. And that's what really kind of dropped his value in, in fantasy football. I mean, this is the guy that was going right around the same time as Marquise Brown. He was going, he was drafting like two or three spots ahead of Hollywood Brown. I think he was going as the wide receiver 47 and I certainly wasn't high enough on him. I had him before the season started. He was my wide receiver 40 mm-hmm. in my rankings. So I just didn't know if the touchdown upside was going to be there for him. And Holy smokes. Was I wrong, man? Cause this guy right now is just absolutely balling out where Keenan Allen is the secondary option, you know, and that's where I'm going. It's, it's unbelievable what Mike Williams is doing. I was super, excuse me, super low on him this year. And I mean, could you fault me, really? I mean, injuries on top of the lack of TD production. I got feared off. I was scared. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. oh, I'll say it. I was wrong. I was dead wrong because Mike Williams is basically sticking it in my face. And I don't like it because I want him on my team and I can't get him on my team right now. No, Mike Williams is somebody who, I mean, do we think this kind of production is going to keep up? Probably. I mean, mm. is he going to have an off week here or there? Yeah. Is he going to continue to have, you know, a hundred yards and two touchdowns every game. No, but you know, I do think that Williams is somebody that if you're trying to acquire best of luck, cause you're going to have to give up way more than you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I also think that he wouldn't be a terrible sell high candidate, especially if you have other areas of your team that you want to improve on. Yeah, man. If you're loaded at wide out and I mean, you can spare the production that he's given you. I would, I would definitely round out your roster. I don't hate that one bit as for the brownies. I mean, okay. We see still the hate from, 
all these people on the Twitter sphere saying, you know, this is why I don't draft Nick Chubb because he doesn't score touchdowns or PPR. Shut up because he's still balling. Yes, I am getting sick of the cream on vulturing touchdowns after he goes down there and, you know, rushes. Like, give Stefanski, give Chubb some love and give him some, give Chubb some love. Ooh, look, I just made a new one. But I mean, give him some love and put him in the end zone for God's sakes, Chris. I mean, because what more does the guy need to do? You know, like he's going to rush for over 100 yards. He's going to catch, you know, maybe two or three passes. But give the guy the damn football inside the 10-yard line. This is getting absolutely ridiculous. At least one. Like, come on, man. There's enough to go. 42 points, and you're giving it all to Hunt on the on the inside the 10. Like, chow, please, man. Give him some touchdowns. I mean, so, all right. So I'm looking at their red zone breakdown right now for Cleveland, you know, for, from a rushing standpoint. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb inside of the inside the 10 yard line, he's getting the ball 50% of the time. Okay. Inside the five, he's getting it 46% of the time. And then you have Kareem Hunt, who's getting it 30% of the time inside the 10 and inside the five. Right now, Nick Chubb is leading in carries in the red zone over over Kareem Hunt. But I think that that number, that that 50, 46% number needs to jump up to like 75 80%. And even then I'll put a caveat on that 50%. That's you said that he's getting the carries and the touches in the in the red there? Yes. Okay, never mind. Then my points null and void because I was going to make an argument and I heard you wrong. But I mean, you know what it is overall when we talk about this Cleveland Browns running back room with Hunt and Chubb, this is legit the modern day Ricky Williams Ronnie Brown saga. I mean, mm. I, for 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 productivity and equal share and and equal um, amount of yardage and and just how they look together, this duo is it has to still be the best in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you literally have two RB ones in your backfield. You have Chubb and Hunt. If Hunt's on any other team. He's he's the immediate RB one. You know, the fact that he has Nick Chubb on his on his team is just and they're both they're both getting RB one touches like Kareem Hunt's getting 15 touches a game. Hunt's getting 19 touches per game. Like these are guys who are getting full workloads from their team and they're in the same damn backfield. Unbelievable. So that just shows you the lack of greater trust in Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I mean, on I mean. Baker Mayfield is not putting up 42 points a game. He's not going to be throwing for 305 and two touchdowns every single game. Like this is a team that has to rely on their running game and just, you know, allow Baker Mayfield to not screw things up. So, yeah, on the reverse of how we talked, they usually talk about Lamar Jackson saying, you know, clean up your passing and, and get your passing mm. aptitude up. Now we're kind of saying the same about Baker where he's not doing it with his legs, obviously, but I mean, they're, they're leaning on the ground game. It's the same conversation. Baker's got to up his game to that next level. So this team can be that much high power, much, much more high powered, I should say. But I mean, it's, it's virtually the same conversation, but they're still able to put up 42 points the way they're playing. So that's still very ridiculously crazy. Oh, absolutely. And and their defense is still a good defense. They just happen to go up against an offensive juggernaut like the Chargers. Yeah, and they didn't have some key pieces. So, I mean, and I think uh, Garrett got hurt again, but came back. But they're hurting. They're hurting. Clowney, we know Clowney's going to miss at least five a year now. So, I mean, he'll rest up and they'll get back. But they looked good. That was a yeah. crazy game. And, I mean, here we got some elephants, some big elephants in the room, Chris. They're, they're oh. so big. 
that that we have to talk about them. They're they're taking up all the room, man. So first, I mean, should we should we broach Urban Meyer first because I think there still needs to be a little bit of discussion. That man is thankful that other things have happened to take the spotlight from him. But did you see the post game interview with Urban Meyer uh, after the games? I did not see that one. No. Let me let me inform you what has happened because it was crazy. I had to take pause because I was like, "What did he just say?" And uh, yeah, you'll 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 understand what I'm talking about. So Urban Meyer, uh, we'll call this Urban Meyer versus Trevor Lawrence, man, because this is what it was. And Urban was asked by a reporter, and I quote, "Why didn't you run the QB sneak on the goal line?" And Urban Meyer said back, and he quoted. Uh, Trevor Lawrence isn't comfortable running the QB sneak and we haven't really practiced it enough yet. That's why we didn't do that. And I was like, okay, that's an odd answer to that question because who in their right mind doesn't practice quarterback sneaks? I mean, you're in the NFL. I used to do that in Pop Warner, uh, you know, basically when they give you mm-hmm. your jock strap. I mean, this is what you do. They asked Trevor Lawrence the same question, Chris, and and this is where the debacle comes into play. They said, Trevor, uh, same question, you know, uh, why didn't you guys run the QB sneak? And Urban Meyer had said to us that you're not comfortable running it. And Trevor says, I'm very comfortable running the QB sneak. And uh, yeah, I mean, if it's not a tackle for a loss, we're not really talking about this, but I'm very much comfortable running the sneak. Talk about dysfunction in this room. What the hell is going on in Jacksonville? Um, well, that's exactly what it is. It's, it's dysfunction. Um, this is urban Meyer, not knowing his own quarterback. This is urban Meyer literally just doing his own thing and not realizing the talent that he has on his offense. Um, Trevor Lawrence is your number one pick. I can understand if you said, you know what, we want to make sure that we keep him healthy for a full season. He's our number one pick. Like, you know, we want to make sure that we keep injuries to a minimum. Sure. But don't just go and make something up because you think it sounds good only to have your star quarterback (laughs) rebut what you just said a few minutes later. So, yeah. It's, it's crazy because, you know, you know where this bothers me the most is that, OK, Urban is who he is. We've obviously seen enough to make a, a firm judgment on him as a man. But you know what bothers me the most? He's the head coach of this team. This is your starting quarterback. And what mm-hmm. you're what you're doing right now, if, if this was your mistake on the field of play where you called the wrong player, you just didn't trust the quarterback sneak. The fact that you're willing to throw your quarterback under the bus, who's only played, what, five games in the NFL? I, I, I got no words for that, man. Who does that as the leader of your franchise uh, moving forward, apparently, right? Yeah, so this reminds me of the playoff game two years ago, the Chiefs and the Texans. When the Texans are up 21 nothing, mm. and they have a ch- they're, they're inside the 10-yard line of the Chiefs or the 15-yard line, they have a chance to go up by four touchdowns. And Bill O'Brien on like fourth and one, fourth and two, decides to go and kick the field goal to go up 24 nothing. The collapse happens, Chiefs come back, they win the game. Mm-hmm. And they asked Bill O'Brien at the end of the game, what was your reason for kicking the field goal as opposed to going forward on fourth down, potentially scoring a a touchdown would have put you up four touchdowns. And Bill O'Brien said, we didn't have a fourth and two play. So we wanted to go ahead and kick the field goal. Meanwhile, a couple of his players said later, yeah, no, we had four. We we had plays for, for that situation. (laughs) And this is why he's not a coach either. Exactly. He just decided to stick his tail in between his legs and take the take the easy points and l- actually lose momentum at that mm. point because 
you instead of getting the touchdown, the field goal gave the Chiefs a little bit of, of momentum and they just obviously just ran away with it after that. But but yeah, that is that is a classic scenario with Urban Meyer just not knowing his team and not knowing what he's doing. I mean, I have never seen a rookie head coach so unprepared for for everything of this stage ever. I mean, I I think at this point I'm I have never coached in my life. I mean, I played football as a as a youngster. But I mean, I feel like I would do a better job than Urban Meyer right now and just give me the clipboard. You know what? I almost wonder if maybe Urban Meyer would trade the same way that Bill O'Brien would. Your bill should like reach out to Urban and be like, hey, we'll give you a seventh round pick for James Robinson. Straight yeah, up. I like, Let's I like it. I love it. I, I <laughs> Give it to me. I, I throw in Josh Allen so we can have both Josh Allens in the NFL on the same team and and we'll go for yeah. our Super Bowl. Good God, Jacksonville. What is going on? I have no idea. But I mean, we got to do it, Chris. I mean, the elephant in the room, the biggest one of the week that took all the spotlight from Urban Meyer. He's 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 thanking uh, uh, John Gruden at this point for taking mm. away all the media publicity. John Gruden, we all know this. He has now resigned. You guys, everybody's aware that he has resigned now of uh, as being the head coach of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders due to those indiscretions and terrible emails that he has sent out. We won't touch the base on that because, I mean, everyone's already dissected it to death. But what I did want to touch uh, touch base on was the interesting dynamic that's going on with the NFL, the NFLPA, the Washington football team, and how this relates to John Gruden, because this is absolutely ridiculous right now. So everybody knows that the NFL is investigating the Washington football team, and uh, they have like 600 plus thousand emails that they're sorting through, and the 10 of them Mm -hmm. they leaked to the media, the LA Times, I believe, and uh, or the Times and, and whoever else they did. And um the interesting aspect is they only leaked these few emails on John Gruden that were obviously I'm not we're not going to debate whether it was right, right or wrong because we know that the emails are wrong. So keep it in context of where I'm going with this. But I mean, they leaked the 10 emails for John Gruden's purposes at the same time that they were having negotiations on the NFLPA to get D Smith back as being the head of the NFLPA. So why do I bring that up? It's because it's interesting. I've, I've always been on shaky ground and I, I don't know the man. This is all my speculation. So he doesn't sue me. This is all my speculation that D Smith, I think, has always kind of been under the hand of Roger Goodell. My personal opinion. I think that he does look out for some players interests, but I think he does look out for the NFL interest in player conduct more for the NFL. That's my personal opinion on D Smith. I don't have any proof of that. This is just my opinion. But now when you see this, now the emails dropped where John Gruden, uh, all this stuff happened, but it was at the exact same time that they were doing this. D. Smith, I believe, is now still the NFLPA uh, leader. Now today we see this, this uh, uh, actually Andrew Brandt, he tweeted out, he said, what John Gruden did was repugnant. And he says, this is not a debate. We all agree this. But the NFL's diversion here is diabolical, focusing on the ESPN broadcaster who wouldn't join the NFL for five more years. This case is all about the Washington franchise. Gruden was sacrificed for the greater good, in quotation, for NFL owners. This is kind of where I'm thinking this is going because they just the NFL just came out as well saying they will not release any other emails from that chain that they've been investigating. So, Chris, I mean, it's a mouthful. It's a lot. But I mean, what's your thoughts, man? So we, we talked about this a little bit before we before we went on with the show and there was just I mean, just week after week, it was Washington football team, this scandal, that scandal, like all sorts of things were just coming out about it. And then it all just kind of got swept under the rug and nobody heard anything about it over the last year. So 
I mean, it's 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 scary because the Washington football team is such an absolute disaster of a franchise. And then you have everything that's been going on with Gruden over the last X number of years and how, you know, all the awful things that he had done and that he had said. And I, it's just, it's at what point are they going to just unearth all of this and make it right? You know, at what point is the NFL just going to say, okay, you know, time to just get rid of all of the garbage and bring in, you know, a fresh start with these teams. Yeah. And I mean, I was watching a program earlier. I can't remember which one it was, but they they said they had a very great point on this, and I and I have to tend to agree that it was um it was it was obviously done on purpose, and the and the ball was put into Gruden's court. So when they actually let the first email out, it, it, this was all systematic in how they did it too, all intentional in in their cadence and dropping these emails and leaking them to the press because there was purpose to this madness for this. It wasn't just a manhunt to get John Gruden through Washington email football team uh, Washington football team emails. Like this is this is a whole thing. You're you're investigating the Washington football team, and somehow John Gruden lost his job. Like like mm-hmm. you you would have never put two and two together that way, right? But the but the funny thing is is that now when you're talking about the first email that was uh, let go, where Gruden was talking about D. Smith and 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 referencing racial uh, slurs in that regard. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, they gave John Gruden, this was the point made on that show, they gave John Gruden the opportunity to resign then. And if he would have resigned and took the bait is is basically what they were doing. They were handing him basically a silver platter to resign then. And John Gruden doubled down and he said, no, he says, you know, I'm not a racist. You know, I I don't have this in me, blah, 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 blah. And he, he wanted to stay. So then the other emails dropped. So, I mean, if you're John Gruden, like, I I mean, really, you didn't realize that this was going to happen. This is the NFL, man. If they're going to come at you, they're getting you. Yeah. You should have known. You knew that they had access to all these other emails and you knew exactly what you had sent. So like just doubling down just to try to prove your quote unquote innocence. It's like, that's just, that's an, a dumb, dumb move because you know, all this other crap about you is going to come out and it just makes you look even worse than what people already initially thought about you. And, and wh- who's, who's on the, on the recipient end of these emails. I mean, okay. It was the, the former, what's his name? I can't remember his damn name. The Washington football guy, um, the general manager, I believe it was. You remember his oh, name? Uh, Snyder. No, the other. No, that guy. was the owner. That was the owner. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, damn it, his name evades me right now. But he was he was corresponding with him. But who else was on this email ch- uh, chain? So now you're talking. If this is a normal conduct within this organization, I mean, we're talking about Washington Football Team. We had the trainer. He was just suspended for running Yale out the back door. Man, like he's trying to be Tony Montana going out the back door. They're you know they're trying to turn the cheerleaders into streetwalkers over there. The nudie pictures of their cheerleaders. Like everything about this organization right now the nfl is trying to i don't want to say cover up but they're trying to keep it under wraps and and they want to throw this bitch in the ocean under lock and key so it never Mm -hmm. gets found and i mean when it comes to andrew or uh, andrew brant's uh, tweet earlier about how gruden was a scapegoat regardless of of his indiscretions i gotta tend to agree man i mean this is all way too put together and the nfl is not stupid they're gonna go after who they want to protect the shield oh absolutely i mean like you said they gave gruden a chance he said, nope, nope, I'm I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And uh, and he's now gone. But I mean, from here on out, like what's going to happen with Washington football team? You know, are we going to hear anything else coming out of this franchise? Yeah, it's 
crazy, crazy stuff. And I mean, hate to make it one of these shows, but I mean, it's crazy stuff right now. The landscape of the NFL and some of these teams and these people in it. I mean, good Lord, man. Yeah, that's why we got good people like us, you know, just make, making money with uh, with spreads and DFS, baby. Hey, man, let's see. Look how you turn. The, <laughs> see how he does. This is why I love this guy, because he turns a negative into a positive and we start rolling. Man, I was 12 and four this week on my point spread. You were killing it on, on prize picks. I mean, what was you seven grand? This guy was up at one point. I was like, holy shit, dude, you're taking us out for drinks. Yeah, you were 12 and four with your with your spreads. I was eight for nine with my prize picks. Um, had a phenomenal day with DFS and a great weekend with DFS golf. Good Sunday for NFL. Uh, if it weren't for a couple of, of golfers that I'm not going to name at this point, name them. I don't want to don't want to get angry again. Um, my uh, my my Sunday would have been a lot better, but we still had one hell of a payday for all of our MVP Patreon members. So. We're going to just, you know, we're going to get ready for week six here and have ourselves an absolute day. You know, and I don't want to get overconfident because once the winning keeps going, like this is two weeks in a row that I'm really hitting hard mm -hmm. as well. And I mean, the, the floor is going to come back, man. That's just what betting does. But I mean, I want to keep this rolling for a little bit longer because the weeks are, are flying by and money is getting in the pocket and I got extra money. It's always nice to have extra funds. And we are now coming into a week. First week of buys mm. we got now. Yes, indeed. That's right. There's two buys this week. We got we got we got four four teams on buys this week. Oh, four teams. Who's the buys, man? We got we got the Falcons, the Saints, the Jets, and the Niners. That's right. There we go. I thought I see. And we have one more. We have one more London game as well. There's another the Dolphins. The the Dolphins and the Jags. I'm oh. so sorry, London, that you oh. have to watch that game. <laughs> Just send the piss poor game over there every time. Good God. Oh man, should we touch these injuries too? Because I mean, there's a freaking list. Like there were, there were quite a few, sir. Jesus, man. So let's dive in. We already talked about Russ Wilson. I mean, he's out six to eight weeks. Good luck to you, Gino. But I mean, sticking with Seattle, Carson, uh, Chris Carson, his neck still too early to uh, determine mm. if he's going to play this week. I mean, this was my concern with Chris Carson. I know we debated it, and it was like we we're talking about in the off season. We're talking about skill set, and we were both on the same page. We love the skill set, and you were worth uh, willing. I believe you were willing to take a shot. And I said, yeah, you know what? You kind of convinced me. And then here we go again, his neck and, and the injuries are starting to pile up. Yeah, they really are. So like I was huge. Like I was all in on having Chris Carson as my running back to my drafts. And thankfully I wasn't able to get him in a bunch of leagues. because Other people, you know, would leapfrog me and get him. But um, yeah, he's, it, it's tough. Like right now, I mean, Alex Collins should be the guy that you're you're targeting right now for Seattle because for Chris Carson, if this neck thing lingers, I mean, he, I don't know how, I don't know how much of the field he's going to see, and when he does see the field, like how effective is he actually going to be? Because he hasn't had a great season to begin with. And what's the risk to re-injury? I mean, that's my fear as well. Right. So for, I mean, as good of a running back as he is, his body just has continued to fail him and. I mean, it is what it is. Speaking of getting failed on top running backs, we got a slew of them, and we'll start with C.E.H. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He hurts his knee on a horrible uh, bend back, man. Like, I thought it was ACL. I thought it was done, game over. I mean, the way Tyreek and company were carrying him off the field, it looked like his leg fell off. But he's out three to four weeks at minimum because uh, Kansas City just placed him on the IR. And side note, I mean, we just heard rumor that Marlon Mack is actually in discussion for potential trade talk to the Kansas City Chiefs. 
He is. And I think it'd be fine, you know, especially if they did more of a, of a running back by committee, not making him the, the lead back, especially coming off of that, that Achilles injury from last year, you know, but I think Mac would be fine, you know, have him in there and split carries with, uh, uh, with Jarrell Williams, you know, and, and kind of have that a 60, 40 split between the two, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely gonna be missing CEH for these next few weeks. And if you're a CEH owner, like just, just hold on to him, wait for him to come back. Um, and just kind of ride it for right now. But I do think Williams needs to be a top, top waiver priority for you guys. And, and I mean, what do we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs now we, with all their problems? Now they don't have CEH. I mean, they're still at the bottom of this division, man. I mean, are, I get mm-hmm. it. Their, their schedule is going to start to lighten up a little bit. They're going to get a lot of wins. But I mean, shit, they are in trouble. Legit trouble. Dude, I mean, and the fact that their division isn't e- an easy one. And they're, I mean, they've won two games I mean, right now. When you think of the chiefs, you think of a team that, you know, yes, they're putting up a ton of points, but it's always been their defense. That's always been able to help them out. And right now they are just hemorrhaging points mm. at this, at this point in the season, they've so far have allowed more points than any other team in the NFL. It's crazy. And when you watch that game against the bills, I mean, their defense is nothing like they were. And I mean, okay, is there, is there potential for them to find their, their, their way as the season goes? Maybe, but I mean, now you're kind of drawing straws and grasping at straws because I kind of feel that, you know, this is a Super Bowl hangover that the chiefs have right now. And because they've played too much football over the last two years. I mean, they really have, you figured, you know, back-to-back Super Bowl appearances, Mahomes thankfully has been able to stay healthy. Kelsey and hell have been able to stay healthy. But for how much longer? I mean, these are guys that are playing a lot of football and that are also being involved in the majority of these offensive plays with Kelsey and Tyree Kill. Yeah, totally, man. Kansas City troubles upon you. Hopefully you get it uh, fixed up, at least for my fantasy team, because I got lots of shares of you guys. Speaking of issue, man, oh, those New York Giants, those poor bastards. Ugh. Like this was basically the equivalent to someone dropping a bomb on a village. This was the Giants uh, injury list this week. Danny Pennies, we'll start there. We'll call him Danny Nichols because he has been playing better. Um, like you said, I mean, he gets a massive hit uh, by Cox coming in as he was trying to get to the end zone. He, I couldn't believe Cox found him, man. I thought Pennies was in the end zone and Cox uh, just mm. completely took the angle and found him. But he took a massive headshot, and I mean, he was stumbling. He was groggy. He didn't even know what planet he was on. And if he doesn't suit up, it is Colt McCoy, man. How much faith you got in uh, an old Colt doing some damage? Um, well, it, I, I get, it's going to depend whether it's Colt or if it's Mike Glennon, you know, the human giraffe, right? Um, <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, neck. because yeah, because Glennon took over for for Jones, you know, and pretty much in the second half. And he did what Mike Lennon does. You know, he threw a couple of picks. He threw a touchdown, you know, had a couple hundred yards passing. Um, but I mean, he's obviously not going to be the the long-term answer for this team. I think Jones, maybe he misses week six. I do think that he comes back at least week seven though, um, just because of the injury. Um, but right now, Daniel Jones, if he misses time, that's the least of the Giants concerns right now with, uh, with our, our boy Saquon. And what happened with him? First of all, did I say Colt McCoy? God, what am I drinking today? You did. Yeah. My, my God. It's been a long I mean, day. Honestly, Why didn't you I'd, correct I'd ra- me? Why didn't you correct me, man? I'd rather I'd rather them have Colt McCoy than Mike Lennon. So <laughs> Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So at least I was trying to talk it into existence. Yeah. Good God. Next time correct me when I say dumb shit, man, because I don't even know where that name came from. 
But yes, let's talk about our boy Saquon. He rolls his ankle. I thought it was another one done for the year. I mean, the minute that we saw that ankle swell up, Chris, I swear to God, I had I had the divorce paper signed already, man. It it looked like a his ankle looked like a freaking beach ball. R- ridiculous, right? And I'm like, what the hell? It keeps growing. They keep panning back and forth, and his foot kept growing. And I'm like, dude, man, you got a goiter on your foot. Like, what? How are you even gonna even come back from this this year? Thankfully, it, it turns out to be a low uh, ankle mm-hmm. sprain, which is good. So that's typically one to three weeks, apparently. So. I mean, you know, I got a beef with Saquon on this one, though, because if you watch the highlight, this is all his fault, man. His field awareness. This was on him. The play happened behind him to the left. He was looking backward at the play and continued to run to the right. And he didn't see the player. That's on Saquon. Get your awareness up, Saquon. We need you, man. Yeah. But, you know, without I mean, let's say uh, there's a silver lining here. And that silver lining is someone that you and I were both a little bit low on, not only in scouting reports, but also in the preseason. Sure. And Mr. Kadarius Tony has just balled out. Talk this it week. up. Talk it up, man. I mean, with, with you know, obviously Ken, they have Kenny Galladay who got himself like four or five targets, but no Darius Slayton, no Sterling Shepard. Kadarius Tony has now emerged. The man had 13 flipping targets. Yeah, all right. Man. And so, I mean, going forward, there's. Well, I saw an article where somebody has uh, has named him now the human joystick. Which, I mean, when you watch what he did in this game, his stop and start ability, like, mm. just stops on a dime and then just goes. Like, it was absolutely phenomenal to watch. It wasn't even him stopping. Do you know what he? It, you're you're absolutely correct. It was it was him stopping, but it was almost like he backed up as he stopped. Yeah. You you saw the same shit I saw. It was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We saw it in his scouting report. Yes, we were a little bit hard on the man. But, you know, when I went back and actually I said, oh, shit, I better go back and see what we said about this man, because I thought we we graded him lower. But I mean, we were still very favorable on him saying he just needed some time to progress. And and okay, he didn't need any time, apparently, because he just stepped on the field. And I mean, all the shit that happened in the preseason and the offseason, it doesn't even matter because he goes, what, 10 for 189 is catching everything to come his way. And without any receivers, without any run game, you got to think he's going to see at least 25 targets this week. Yeah. And the biggest the biggest knocks that we had on him, at least when I'm looking at the scouting report that, that we did, um, his hands were, you know, average to just above average. You know, his high point wasn't really there and his his inability to really break and avoid tackles um, because everything was basically speed based. It was his agility. It was his quickness and burst, you know, Um, but he he showed a lot of aggressiveness, a lot of toughness. But, you know, that whole avoiding tackle uh, deficiency that I gave him. Yeah, I'd be bumping him up a couple of points after that game. Yeah, man, That's like a Madden <laughs> correction, man. You, you had him yeah. at like a 65. He's at like a 92. Yeah, give him like the, you know, the every four week I'll, I'll adjust his rating. But you know what? You know what, though? It wasn't wrong because we were talking about break tackle, not avoid tackle. Right, right. 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 So, I mean, yes, we rank it in the same uh, realm of, of, of scout. But I mean, we were a little too low at this point. I mean, it's only what his second, third game that he's played this season. So, you know, we'll pump the brakes on it all and say we were wrong. But I mean, we were also had some very good points on him. Are we touching? But go ahead. I was just say he's had a couple of good games in a row. So let's see what he can do, you know, coming up in week six and then 
then we can go from there. And I mean, primarily he's going to be playing a slot role anyway. So I, I, we should have known that the PPR upside was going to be there anyway, especially with that speed and wheels. Cause we never doubted his speed and his ability no, no. to get open. It was just, you know, can he do it at, at this competition level? Right. That was, that was a major thing. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And again, you know, it's, it's two games in, you know, he, yeah, he had a really good solid game against the saints, tough defense. Dallas's defense has been better though. Their secondary still is a little bit in question for me. You know, especially where uh, Tony didn't have Trayvon Diggs on him for the majority of the game. So, you know, give me let, let's let's give him another couple of games against some better competition and then we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, put him up against a true slot uh, DB with wheels and then we'll see what happens. But he has looked damn good. Are we touching Booker for the next couple of weeks? I mean. Am I am I going to pull a, a Chuba Hubbard and drop, you know, ninety three dollars <laughs> of my fab money on him? Hell no. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that he definitely needs to be a priority for you guys, though, whether you're a Barkley owner or not, I do think he's going to be worth, you know, I would say 15 to 20% of your fab money. Like if you're, if you have a hundred dollars in fab money, I think, you know, I'd say 15 bucks is probably pretty fair to, to make a bid on him. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd spend much more than that just because I mean, number one, how much is he actually going to play before Saquon comes back? And number two, how effective is he actually going to be? Mm. Like, when's the last time Booker was really a factor on your fantasy team? Who are they playing this week? Who are the Giants going up against? Uh, I can tell you in just a second here. I can say, though, is that when Booker filled in, you know, for little spot starts here and there, like, he just wasn't much. Oh, they have the LA Rams. Best yeah, no. of luck to you. So I'm not touching that. That's 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 the caveat right there. It was like, you know, he's good. He has ability. He can catch the ball. But yeah, no, going up against the Rams, even though the Rams seem to be hemorrhaging yardage on the ground lately, too. But I'm not touching that. Oh, and football and then they then they get the panthers in week seven so, okay yeah. yeah no and then by that time, hopefully Saquon comes back. So I'm yep. staying away from Mr. Booker. God, the Giants, I pray. Kenny Galladay, too, man. I almost forgot Kenny. He goes down with a hyperextended mm-hmm. knee. He's out one or two weeks. So, again, here we go with the Kadarius Tony party, man. It just gets that much better. Kenny Galladay, though, man, he is starting to, you know, get under my skin a little bit. I don't want to say I'm pissed off because, you know, he's my boy. I was preaching him up. I had high standards in, on this man, believing he could do something. I hated the fact he went to New York, but now this man just can't stay healthy. And maybe, you know what? Listen to the Detroit Lions because they had the intel on this man's health and he just can't stay healthy. Yeah, I, I personally stayed away from Galladay. I just I didn't trust him to stay healthy. I didn't know what he was really going to be able to do in this offense. And for me, he was somebody I was like, you know, what? I'm going to let somebody else draft him. And if I get burned, so be it. I don't mind being wrong, but I'm going to let somebody else, you know, do that for me. Yeah, man, it was a good, move. very good move. I think I only have one share of him and that's in like the Scott Fishbowl, but Juju, no more Juju, man. He is gone. This could be the last time we see him in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform because his season is over. And I mean, sad for him. I mean, his season wasn't going very well anyway. This uh, passing game with Big Ben uh, it showed some flash last week. I mean, better than we've seen all all year. Deontay and Claypool mm-hmm. had a very good day, but uh, I mean, now Juju gone with a with a soldier shoulder surgery. Jesus, man, that's a tongue tire. But I mean. James Washington. Now you got to think he's got to have some fantasy viability, especially going deep now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we saw the connection, you know, that James Washington was, you know, when injuries happen, Washington would come in and he would be more of that deep threat option. And, you know, with Juju, you know, out because 
Juju makes me go boo-hoo, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, that you like that? You like that? Yeah. I'm like, dude, you need some sleep, man. Juju <laughs> makes you go boo-boo. Oh man, his I'm his, trying here. His TikToks make me go boo-boo, man. Cause I mean, shit, get off Ugh. the TikTok, boo. And with Juju, he's not your alpha number one receiver. He really is more of that complimentary number two option. Mm. Um, and you put you put him in the slot, the guy can do a lot of great things, but he needs to be on a team where he's going to be able to get a heavy target share and not be that number two, number three option like he currently is with Pittsburgh behind Claypool and Deontay Johnson. How good would he have looked in a KC uniform this year? Oh, he would look phenomenal. I mean, you put him, Tyreek Hill, and Kelsey, I mean... You can only double team so many guys like that would just be so, so much room for opportunity there. I have no idea why he turned that contract down. You fool. I mean, I get it. You you like Pittsburgh, but I mean, but you know, he, you're not going to be there after this year. No, he's yeah. not. He's the where's he going next year? I mean, this is the thing. No, you know, he's not. He there's no way he's coming back to Pittsburgh, especially with Ben gone and no quarterback. Like, come on. No, no, he's he is donezo. Dunzo. Another one that's Dunzo is Curtis Samuel. This guy is now the equivalent in my mind to Will Fuller. I'm sorry. They're both the same in my mind. And I mean, I, I stayed away. Everyone was hype. I only liked Curtis because it was going to help Terry McLaurin. Outside of that, I was not touching his services right. in fantasy football. No way I could trust this man. He's day to day with his groin. And I mean, I don't care if he comes back and, you know, they show that he's running sprints down the sideline. No, no limp. I'm not going close to Samuel. DeAndre Carter is my question. Now, he had a decent game last week. I mean, is he creeping into fantasy viability for you? No, not not for me personally. Um, I do think that there are plenty other options probably out there uh, on your waiver wire that I'd be more likely to to pick up before before I go and touch another Washington wide receiver. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, it's tough. I mean, even even Terry's just it's like blow up game and then goes to sleep and then just teams just know, man. I mean, they don't have Heineke's played well enough, but I mean, there's not enough weapons right now and enough way to spread the ball around to get Terry the ball every single week. And it hurts. It definitely hurts, Chris. It does hurt because like you said, I like the Samuel signing more, like you said, for McLaurin, because I think McLaurin is one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, mm. but the man needs some help and he needs a quarterback. He needs some help big time. Levante David, he's going to miss some time. Uh, Tampa Bay linebacker with an ankle troubles. And I mean, the, the no real, uh, they just said he's going to miss several weeks. Potentially there was no date and time on his return. This is massive for this Tampa Bay defense. Um, and oh yeah. And there's, there's a caveat to this for the positive. I mean, but I'll go with the negative first because of Tampa Bay's uh, issues in their defensive back room. I mean, they don't have anybody right now. I saw Trufant and Trey Flowers both got released today. Uh, I totally expect them to get calls from Tampa Bay. But I mean, Levante David now injured. This is going to be Tom Brady in this offense having to put up 45 a week. So everybody that has Tampa Bay players, that's going to make you smile. Yeah, and that's also going to put a lot more pressure on Devin White having mm. to cover all that ground that you know, somebody like, like, uh, like David is going to be able to, to, to make up. So, I mean, it just puts that much more pressure on that linebacking core because, you know, whoever does fill in for David is just, I mean, it's going to take a couple people to really fill those shoes. And we can see tight ends becoming a thing against Tampa Bay over the next few weeks, man. So keep your eye out for that because I mean, no Winfield, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and now no David, I mean, that's just a recipe for tight end success. 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when you look at what Tampa Bay has been able to do on defense, it's been against the past where they really have struggled this year. And they are, I mean, as of right now, they're allowing 70 receiving yards a game to opposing tight ends. Mm. You take away David, that number is going to jump. You're going to 150, man. Who are they playing this week? I'm starting them. That's how it's going. Yeah, exactly. Speaking yeah, of tight they're, ends, they're, they're going to they're be like a tight end funnel right now for fantasy football funnel. I love that. That's a great way to explain. You're going to funnel into the vortex of the unknown because you can't stop shit for tight ends. I love it. Speaking of tight ends, Chris, I don't like this one. This one actually hurt, even though I'm not a fan. I'm just a, a nice observer. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals mm. are balling, but Max Williams, man. I feel so bad for this man. He's having his breakout season. I mean, he's he's basically a uh, I want to say he's like the Dawson Knox almost to this uh, Cardinals offense right now. It's almost a very similar rate of usage. And he was just playing, man. And I mean, the way Kyler, like much like the Bills, spreading the ball around to all their wide receivers, Max was getting mm-hmm. a lot of work in. And I mean, he made that cut up the sideline and the way he stepped, it looked like he hyperextended it, but they're they're saying the worst could be, they haven't uh, said it yet, but they're saying it, it could be season ending. Oh, that, and that's tough because, I mean, outside of, of, of Williams, the only other tight end on that team that was getting any kind of targets was Demetrius Harris. And he, I think he saw like two targets all season. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I bet you they're missing them some Dan Arnold right now. <laughs> they're going to go trade for him because Jacksonville will trade him all over the place. <laughs> but, but I mean, this is crazy. I mean, so now without Max Williams, let's just say the worst does come true and he is right. out, for, out for the season. Uh, what does Car- or Arizona do? Excuse me. What do they do? for this offense, because this, this was kind of the X factor. Like I'm saying, the Dawson Knox effect. Now you don't really know where they're going, who you're covering. Now you're a little bit less multidimensional because now it's going to be strictly wide receivers and running backs. What's the thing? Maybe, you know, maybe Chase Edmonds does get involved a little bit more, you know, with, with him being more of that receiving back where James Connor is just a vulture towards the goal line. I mean, the way that they spread this ball around throughout this offense, we talked about it last week, you know, between Hopkins and AJ green, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, like they're all getting, they've all seen at least 20 targets so far this year. Mm-hmm. And Max Williams was right up there with them. So I do think that it's just going to be kind of a, a next man up, you know, and it's going to be somebody else is filling in that role of those short yardage passes. The biggest thing though, is going to be getting someone in there. That's going to be helping with, you know, the run blocking and the pass blocking, mm. which is what Max Williams did. Totally agree. And they lost their center. I don't know if he came back last week. I mean, in that game, the Hudson, that great center that used to play for the Raiders. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, this is the one thing that could stop the Cardinals is injuries. And it just, it sucks that way. But I mean, this is, you're talking hundred percent truth. I mean, Max was a good blocker and, and great receiving weapon at this point. And now he's gone. I'm very curious to see how they're going to adapt because that's a bigger problem than a lot of people think. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we see a little bit more, you know, two running back sets, you know, for them. But but yeah, they're going to have to find another option because I don't think Demetrius Harris is going to be the answer. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, he's got he's got athletic ability, but I mean, maybe they should go trade for Najoku after he what he did this week. Hey, dude, Njoku just went ham this week. You know, <laughs> what, what's Absolutely. your what's your phrase? What's your phrase? A good Najoku? What? Who? A good Najoku is a dangerous Najoku. Have you forgotten everything already? Come on, man. I, I'm getting, I'm old. I got to write stuff down. Jesus, man. You know, I set it up, man, for you to hit a home run and you completely fouled it off. Like, you know what it was? All I could think about was that douchey, dangerous comment that Baker Mayfield made a couple of years ago and just 
ruined that was, me. That was me. part of the show. You're losing your brain cells already, man. I know. Quintez Cephas. I mean, this is the last one I got on this. There was uh, still, your boy. My boy. I got to say it, man, because he was showing Flash, man. He breaks his collarbone on the IR. Basically, I mean, he's got potential to come back for the end of the season. But, I mean, it's going to be the Detroit Lions with no wins, basically, this year. So, realistically, there's no point for him to come back. He could probably be on the IR for the rest of the year. This one sucks because I was preaching up Quintez and Amon Ra in the offseason. You know this. And mm-hmm. Amon Ra starting to pick up steam. Now we're seeing the six, the seven catches per game. And Quintez was being kind of that big time. Uh, I don't want to say big time playmaker, but I mean, for Detroit Lions sake, playmaker, he was showing flash, Chris. He was. And, you know, for all of you that are looking for another option, if you want to go ahead and, and try and target Amon Ra, I think he's being rostered right now in like 5% of leagues. So he's definitely going to be available. I don't think you need to spend any money on him because I think he will clear waivers for you. Probably. Um, but but it's just the, the poor Lions. Like they just, it's it's one thing after another for them. They lost their center, Frank Ragnow, who's one of the top centers in the league. And then they go ahead and they lose, they lose Cephas. Unbelievable. And you catch Dan Campbell crying at his press conference. I felt for the man. I really did. I he poured his heart into it. And it's like, you know, a lot of people were like, I saw, man, people were ruthless on Twitter, man. And one guy's like, it goes from biting kneecaps to crying in press conferences, how the tables have turned. And I'm like, yo, that's low blows, guys. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was all the all the, the coffee that he has in the morning. Maybe. maybe he just needs to switch the decaf. Maybe. Maybe it was just too much emotion. I mean, raw emotion, but I felt for him. I mean, he's trying his ass off. You can tell they're responding. The Lions, are, they played fantastic on defense against Minnesota. Yeah. And you could tell that he loves what he does. Like Dan Campbell, like the fact that he showed that emotion, it shows you that he's not just there to be there. It's like this man actually does care and he wants to win and losing hurts, like losing players hurts. And so I, I, I like seeing that kind of emotion from coaches and from players because it lets you know that they aren't just there for a paycheck. Agreed. And I mean, the Detroit Lions podcast I went on in the offseason, we were talking about all the Patriot uh, coaches and disciples that have been there in the past. And he the the comment that he made that I, I, I loved absolutely was he said, I, I'm tired of the Patriot way. He says, I want the Detroit way. And I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard. to It's hard to argue that Dan Campbell hasn't instilled this new culture, which could be classified as the Detroit way, because I mean, outside of their losing, I mean, they're they're competing, they're trying their best and they're working their asses off. Yeah, you just want to sh- you want to see that effort. You want to see that toughness that he has already instilled into this team. And so, you know, injuries suck, but you know what? I do hope that they give him a little bit longer of a leash, the Lions that is with Dan Campbell, and they don't just can him after, you know, two or three losing seasons. Like let the man help rebuild this team. Agreed. I, I think if he continues to do this, I think they're going to be in good hands. But man, I'm I'm basically need a nap after that injury report because I mean it's everybody in the NFL basically. Yeah, and it's like mostly everyone on our fantasy teams right now too. Totally. So that's always heartbreaking. Yeah, it sucks, man. This is gonna be a rough week. I have a feeling. But here we go. Speaking of rough, man, I got a new game for you. It's called "Have We Ooh. Lost Faith." And, oh. and yeah, I mean, I got to keep it fresh, man. You know, there's uh, sometimes shit gets a little bit uh, old and stagnant and we got to move around. But I mean, have we lost faith in these players? Because I think I have. And first one is Alan Robinson. What the hell is going on? Have mm. we lost faith? Can we trust him at any point? When is this breakout coming, man? Um, When? Who, 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 who the hell knows? Like at this point, I'm not starting Alan Robinson on my team. Like I, I don't. I, I believe in start your studs up into a certain point. Um, 
but I need to see Allen Robinson show me something before I'm willing to put him into the starting lineup. So for me, yeah, I've, I've lost faith in a Rob right now. And it's not because of the lack of talent. It's just he and Justin Fields are not on the same page at the moment. Yeah. They, I don't know what's going on. I mean, even the target share is drying up. I just, I mean, they, you know what the, the one thing we cut, we cussed a coach Nagy about his uh, lack of promotion for helping young quarterbacks develop Last week's contest, he actually gave everything to Justin Fields, and I had to give him credit for that because he simplified everything. That's why we didn't see many passes to the wide receivers, and it was just you know spread the ball, run it a little bit, and it was it was a better game. But I'm with you. I'm Allen Robinson to me right now. I own him in so many leagues, and I just it sucks to say, but I've lost faith. Yeah, Jalen Waddle, Mr. Waddle, we losing faith in Mr. Waddle at this point just based on the dynamics of what Miami's going through. Um, I'm going to say, no, I, I really do want to wait for Tua to come back. Um, because I think that that will really kind of help things with Waddle, especially with Wolf Fuller being out with that broken finger. Mm. Um, I, I haven't lost faith just yet in Waddle. He's right. He's pretty much hovering around that Allen Robinson line for me, but I want to give Waddle an opportunity with Tua to be that main guy though. First. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, his skill set is just it's the Jacoby Brissett problem. I think I haven't lost faith in him, but I mean, I'll put him on my bench right now until Tua comes back and then we can we can talk and dance the dance. Then what about Mr. Tyler Lockett now without Russell Wilson and uh, he's his lack of performance over the last three weeks? This is going to be an interesting one. Um, Lockett definitely drops down for me a bit. You know, instead of being that surefire wide receiver one, I think he's closer to more of like a lower end wide receiver, wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three flex option right now, because I think DK is going to be that main target share guy for Gino until Russell Wilson comes back. So I haven't lost faith in Lockett, but I certainly have lowered my expectations. Yeah, I'm with you too. I mean, he is that guy. I mean, I'll never doubt his ability. I think he's one of the better wide receivers in this NFL mm-hmm. that, is un- that is underrated, right? We've talked about that many times. Oh, yeah. But I mean, when it comes to Gino and this uh, maybe potential lack of productivity, mm. I mean, we just don't know, right? I mean, coming off the bench cold on a defense that hasn't prepared for you is one thing, but seeing a team fully prepared with film the, the following week, those, those weeks don't really go so well. So, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm opti- uh, uh, cautiously optimistic, I should say, that Lockett's going to do decent well uh, for the next six weeks. It's scary stuff, though. Yeah, it definitely is because, like you said, we have a very small sample size of him with Geno Smith. They have a fairly tough schedule coming up. You know, they have to go at Pittsburgh, then they play the Saints, then they get a cake game against the Jaguars. But the next two games are going to be are going to be a test for them with Geno. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. What about our boy Javante? I mean, what are we what are we thinking about Vante right now? Because I'm. I'm hovering. I'm hovering on that line that he's just, I, it's not that I've lost faith, but I think I got to, I just got to put him on my bench and and wait for the greener pastures to come. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll throw him in there as a flex option if I need to, but I'm just, I'm right there with you. I'm kind of like with Alan Robinson. I want, I need to wait to see him do something for me before I'm willing to, you know, use a roster spot on him in my starting lineup. And it's weird because we thought by now, I mean, what is it? Week, week five, week six coming up, right? Week six. And yeah. Yeah. And, and um, by now we would have thought that the touchdown productivity would have been there and the usage. I mean, the usage is still okay. You can't complain about the usage overly uh, to critical nature, but I mean, the, the Teddy injury did hamper them a little bit. They looked like they were out of sorts last week uh, to some degree. And I mean, 
maybe it's time they just you know kind of unleash the the shackles a little bit and let him go a little bit i know because he's starting to get involved a little bit more in the passing game he's getting some targets here and there but of course the more targets he gets the fewer rushing attempts he gets mm-hmm. and it's like let's enough like you said enough with the shackles enough with limiting you know his touches just let the man run free and i know we've talked about this in the offseason we said well probably won't happen until the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. So let's let's wait a few more games until we get to that week eight, week nine mark, and then figure, you know, all right, well, what's really going to be happening here? Yeah, we'll see how close we were on, on that prediction for sure. What about Corey Davis, man? I think uh, I think the jury's out, man. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think with, with Corey Davis, he had himself, you know, a few nice games. Uh, but for me, yeah, he's not going into my starting lineup. Yeah, I can't do it, man. It's, it's the high risk reward. I mean, you got better chance of scoring crack on the field uh, for free. I mean, that's basically how I see it. I mean, it's it's too scary. I can't do it. I, I know a guy in Washington that might be able to help you out there. <laughs> Boom. See how that works. You redeem yourself with the utmost class. I love it, man. That was an easy <laughs> one, too. I just lobbed that one over for you. Too. That was that was, that was that was that was, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, man. What are we doing with Tannehill? Uh, Ryan Tannehill, I'm still, you know, I mean, I have him in a few in a super flex league and he's and I always kind of swap him out with Teddy Bridgewater, depending on the matchup. Um, but with Tannehill, it's tough because, you know, obviously they don't have John Lee Smith this year. Julio Jones, I, I I had to bring it up. Sorry, but Julio Jones has been pretty banged up. It hurts. Has, man. It hasn't been practicing. It hurts. And it's just it's just AJ Brown. Like, I mean. It's it's tough. Like for me, there are a dozen other quarterbacks out there that I'd rather have in my starting lineup. It hurts so much with Julio. And (laughs) I'm at the point. Just tell Julio to retire, get your gold jacket and call it a day. So at least I can get your Falcons jersey signed and and hung up on the wall. Mm -hmm. It hurts, man. It hurts. Do you want to run down your Patriots before we get out of here? I mean, this is kind of the common theme as we go through the season. We can talk about our clubs a little bit, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we kind of um, like skipped over the Patriots and victory Tuesday when my Patriots also happen to win. I'm sorry. We'll do this as a common theme. If, if my team loses, we'll be at the end of the show. How about that? But my team didn't lose. My team won. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you guys aren't going anywhere this year. I love you, man. You're funny. It's true. We're not going anywhere. Um, no. Uh, again, Mac Jones has himself, you know, a, a, you know, good game, you know, very efficient. Uh, he had the one interception. And the one thing I like, though, what I was, we're seeing from him is he's really now starting to target the tight ends a lot more, where earlier in the season, it was all about Myers, Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne. But now he's getting Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith more involved. Um, I think he's getting Hunter Henry involved more because of that really bad game that Jonu had last week, where he just, just, or sorry, two weeks ago, where he just wasn't, you know, he was making too many damn mistakes. And so now you see Hunter Henry involved a little bit more. And I, I still love, love what we've been seeing from Damian Harris. Yes. He had that fumble at the goal line, which could have been for another touchdown, but I love what Harris has been able to do. Um, the one thing that scares the crap out of me is this new England Patriots secondary. Mm. We made, we allowed Davis mills to look like fucking Justin Herbert. Like mills was just shredding this secondary um chris moore just stop me if you've heard his name before because yep. when he first you know caught the ball i was like who okay cool <laughs> but yeah no um 
this secondary. Oh, and we just recently traded away Stefan Gilmore. So yeah. that's always a great thing to do. Yeah. No, this this defense is absolutely worrisome. And this is what the, the defense is what the Patriots were supposed to rely on to help this rookie quarterback. You know, in case he made mistakes, the defense was going to help them win games. And so far, they have started to become a little bit of a liability, though they did play great against Brady last week. The fact that they just had a complete letdown game on defense against the Texans, it worries me for the rest of the season. You know what makes me so angry with this one is because I thought it was for sure, surefire money in the pocket at minus nine for the Pats. With Bill Belichick's mm. record versus rookie quarterbacks, I mean, it's just lights out pressure. Didn't see that at all. Davis Mills looked like Tom Brady. And I mean, when you go to freaking your John U. Smith point about, you know, Mac Jones going to Hunter Henry, he must have called Tom Brady and been like, yo, what do I do with this guy? And then he would have said, yo, just don't throw him the ball. He'll figure it out. And and this is what he's doing. He's doing the Tom Brady effect. He's going to the other guy and and it's working with Hunter. I mean, now he's he's back to fantasy goodness and we can trust him a little bit. Brandon Bolden had more targets than Janu Smith did. So hopefully, hopefully that's going to be a little bit of a wake up call for Janu. He's in the doghouse, man. That's just how it goes. Good Lord almighty. We're already in week six. Hard, hard to believe how quick this season goes, right? We'll be at Christmas before you know it and fantasy championships and unbelievable stuff. It's going to be awesome. Um, speaking of fantasy championships in my home league, um, I was a victim of Mark Andrews Monday <laughs> night, just blow up game because I was in, in my home league. I was going up against my buddy and I'm up by 38, maybe 39 points. And I'm like, oh man, I got this in the bag. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, cool. Let, let Andrews get like five for 70 and a touchdown. Nope. He went for like 10, a buck 40 and two touchdowns. Yeah. And just, I woke up the next morning and I was like, oh, oh, well, that's unfortunate. So what had happened was uh... what had happened was uh, Mark Andrews had himself a flipping game, a flipping game and a half. And I mean, for me, my big money league, I was I was I was I was tripping, man. I won't lie. I was I was sweating it out. I had Pittman and I had the Baltimore Ravens defense. I was down by 19 in full PPR. And I mean, when the first quarter happened, I was like, they're not even throwing Pittman's way. I'm going to freaking lose. And I was getting angry and the wife was getting mad at me for yelling and Michael Pittman, you beautiful bastard. You, you, you won me the game, man. You, you, man, did you see that catch he made? It was just unbelievable. That was a great, great crab. Yeah. I mean, we, there were, there were a few phenomenal catches in football this week. There were good ones, man. Uh, Devonte Adams, a, spe- a spectacular chase uh, or Jamar chase, just unreal guys. Right yep. Now. Ron, Rondell Moore had a Rondell phenomenal Moore. catch. Oh man. There yeah. was just the highlight reel after highlight reel. But I mean, that was it, man. That was a that was a good week of of stuff. We got another one ahead of us, and I'm excited, buddy. I'm excited because now where we're you know a handful of weeks into the season, where I'm such a numbers guy and I love my analytics, it just more data just gives me a clearer picture going forward and helps to kind of predict things a little bit better. So I'm super excited. Yeah, the data gives him chub. It's it's crazy, man. You can almost see, you turn off your camera when that shit comes out, man. Just turn it off. We don't need to see that shit, man. I'm honestly surprised that like the the knocking under my desk wasn't picked up on the microphone. <laughs> but we'll close it out before we get too X-rated up in here. But before we get out of here, Jake has an important message. So listen up. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris. And I want to make sure I shout out our, our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. I mean, Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play. 
They have you covered, and we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks, but you can set up your account now, and it's 100% free. So head over to Fantrax.com slash headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes, the, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now, fantracks.com slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy 318 to all the listeners. Thank you for all the support. And on behalf of Chris, thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.